this year. Do not get caught behind the eight ball or late ball when it comes to giving a gift to that special person in your life for Valentine's Day, which is fast approaching, or birthdays or anniversaries. Go to books.com slash facts. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash facts. Use the code facts and get 25% off your first order. Make that special person feel special. You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we're building a health and fitness resource by trying to answer a single question every week, just based on what we already know. Or maybe what we think we know. Then we bring in the world's leading expert to tell us what we got right and what we got wrong. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. It's going to get dangerous someday. We're going to put um, Connor like permanently on mic. No, yeah. I mean, great. not 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 on you, but I mean on a microphone. Yeah. No, it'd be great. As an episode, full episode, or we've just... done that. We did that one time. No, yeah. He's just the backup guy. Yeah, but just have him like, like when we're when we're in the midst of a discussion and we and we may not be agreeing with each other, we should just turn to Connor and yeah. have him the Google search kid or a- explain this whole packing. I don't understand. Yeah, he's addicted to FIFA. Yeah, what it comes down to. Yeah, he's kind of like your Jamie, right? Yeah, Rogan has a Jamie. Yeah, can I be your Jamie? For what? Iron Culture. Sure, I'll just sit there on but, Google. Yeah, but and not say I, a word yeah. until you yell at me. But don't uh, actually give any answers related to what we're searching, like. Jamie's whatever. It's like, hey man, so uh, protein synthesis. Uh, how long does it take? Uh, I love Mike, Diet Coke. Yeah, Mike, <laughs> can you bring it up? And you're just like, you know what? That latest Star Wars, people talk shit about it. It was amazing, but, but it, was it was amazing. really good. Yeah. Um, I want to start with a re- not a real topic, not the like. Fly we're by. only we're actually only going to be real today, Mike, and authentic. And that means that we're not real tomorrow. I mean, it is a sim a simulation, but with that I think said, so. I think so. Here, here's what I think. <laughs> Mathematically, I, it's all I know how to get Omar going. Yeah, uh, I could, I could unwind on this stuff. I think it doesn't matter either which way. Oh, of course not. Yeah. Well, so. it only matters if it matters to you, right? Well, that's what I, I hate uh, some of the individuals that get very nihilistic. Where you get into some of those conversations, like, nothing really matters. I'm like, okay, as human, so anyone I, can see. I think <laughs> nothing really matters. I think the universe is inherently chaotic. Chaotic meaning that we can't understand the comprehension uh, comprehension as of yet. That doesn't mean that maybe it doesn't have a higher order that we can't grasp. But regardless, it doesn't matter uh, if it's chaotic or not because as humans, we derive our own meaning out of things. Right. And so when people say, what's the point of it all? It's like you little- You make your own point. Yeah, you little snowflake. Well, you think you're supposed <laughs> to be told some sort of meaning. The, the, the act of existence in and of itself is not enough for you where you have to feel compelled to have some sort of you know cookie cutter i was like that's my purpose i'm like okay. which is fine if you yeah. need to build that to be a productive and good human but um yeah, yeah it's not our job to tell you timmy yeah i think uh make your own purpose and that's that the podcast saying? and that's the podcast so yeah. I, I found something out about omar maybe the only thing i don't like about omar last night yeah shoot He's never seen Remember the Titans. Uh, it's true. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I did see it. It makes me cry. It's my favorite sports movie. Uh, Omar's, and I actually think Omar would really like it because of its like uh, cultural background in the movie and things. Because it has Denzel Washington. And Denzel's sick, Coach Boone. Um, but on this topic, 
shout out to our boy, uh, Dr. Mike Ishratel. Um, this is just a cool fact for me, I think, because we've always been kind of an underground um, strength guys mm-hmm. like us, all right? Like we're in this niche that isn't cool. Like science is, wasn't like cool, like doing things, trying to find real education on lifting rather than just like slamming weights around yep. or being the most jacked guy. We've always tried to like learn and teach. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the big white dude, I'm sorry, dude, I don't know your name, <laughs> in Remember the Titans. Okay. Just lost like 200 pounds. Yeah. Men's Health did an article on him. He looks sick. He's jacked. He looks awesome. Plus, obviously, he was like over 500 pounds and insanely unhealthy, but he got himself healthy and then really found that he loved lifting weights. And I'm just summarizing this um, article, obviously. Uh, but basically, he said, like, I started with keto, didn't really work, or like it kind of worked, but obviously, mm. I didn't have energy. It didn't last very long. He mm. goes into the spiel. And then he said, what changed his life or changed his everything is he found a talk by Mike Ishertel, who's obviously a friend of ours, um, uh, smart, smart dude, always preaching science and, and a lot of uh, not only science, but he's really good at, I think, preaching applicable things to everyone, um, let alone he does know like the in-depth science. But he quotes Mike Ishertel basically or, 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 or honors Mike Ishertel for changing his um, education patterns and learning how to eat and ba- basics uh, without any other term, you know, flexible dieting or whatever we might want to call that stupid thing. Um, but getting a, a grasp on this education thing. And, and it's cool to see like a celebrity, um, someone a lot of people will know with like a real transformation too, mm. rather than like, oh, so-and-so uh, did a hundred pushups a day and now he's Batman. Like, no, he did a bunch of trend. It and didn't his really work that way. Yeah, his celebrity trainer lied and just gave him drugs. And yeah, I, uh, I won't name the particular celebrity, but I know the trainer for one of the celebrities in a superhero movie of the last six years. And I said, just be honest with me, man. Like, this dude, this uh, person that played the superhero, he was on juice, right? And the guy said, "Oh, for sure." Yeah, <laughs> and he actually. And what's funny because like uh, the the recent argument that people make that's not a bad one is that if you're given ten million dollars in order to do a body transformation, that would kind of motivate yeah. you more than the average person that has so many responsibilities right. and you know they have uh, maybe a terrible relationship with food and a lot of things they have to overcome. Ten million dollars will make you move. Right? Yeah. Well, I was gonna say that. I actually think it's yeah. Uh, I don't know if we want to say honorable. I don't know what the word is, but like moral or whatever. I don't know, but I think it makes more sense. Um, to take some type of performance enhancing when that is your job on the line, right? And this person is an actor, and for him to look apart, to go full in, it makes a lot more sense to me than just to get a recreational lifter or, that, or to try to get a chick or, right. or to solve your ego because mm-hmm. that's the truth. If, if you're really just trying to add 50 pounds to your deadlift and that fulfills you, I also think it's okay to take steroids if that's your path, right. but I don't think that's why most powerlifters or bodybuilders take it. I think it's a weird intrinsic issue that they don't, know how to solve so then yeah. they go take steroids what, what you're trying to say it's superficial for yourself when mm-hmm. you're trying to pursue that girl but when the movie star does it it's superficial for the rest of us and we all and benefit. they're making fine yeah. art because hollywood <laughs> is make-believe and it's fine as, art. Uh, as good old maris scorsese said where he said that uh the marvel movies are not cinema and everyone's like well how can you say that i'm like i mean you know yeah, I think he's dead right. Uh, but yeah, that was actually my answer, I think, uh, on a podcast with Jim, I don't know, probably five years ago. I don't know if it was our co-host. Somebody asked me, like, what would it take, Mike, to get you on some steroids? Oh, $10 and million. I, yeah. No, I didn't put a money limit. I said if it was my career on the line and it was some kind of acting gig, I'd probably do it. Um, which, again, it just makes more sense in my head. 
rather than like I have ego problems maybe worse than all our listeners and all these people. I got a lot of issues inside my brain, but I try to solve them on my own without an external thing. But if it was for a job, you know, that would help support me and my family and my friends, yeah, I might do it. And one of the uh, myths that he kind of dispelled was the fact that this individual was not a hard worker. In in that you think yeah. like once again, because uh, it's recently it's floating around the idea like, yeah, you get $10 million. Like you can get your ass to the gym at 6 a.m. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. there are some individuals, so I'm not calling out someone like The Rock, but where they do stress. And What's for, up, Dwayne Johnson? And for Dwayne is, uh, for him, you know, working hard is natural where fitness is a part of his lifestyle. Potentially. But for the average individual that's doing it, the average celebrity that needs to get in shape, it's just a lot of trend. You know what I yeah, mean? Like it's, yeah. it's it, they're probably actually trying as hard as you, but they're heavily supplemented and that makes a tremendous difference. Look how dope he looks. Yeah. He looks great. Yeah. He was like over five bills. You might recognize him now from other stuff, Omar. Yeah, uh, Kyle told me yeah. where he's from, Kile. Um, uh, so, Ethan Supley? Yeah, I don't know. He was in a bunch of things. Like Boy Meets World, he was the bully, if you guys watched that show. Um, Boy Meets World was solid. not bad. Solid. Not bad. For the first few seasons. It's not as my good favorite as was Fresh his... Prince and oh, some no. of our classics, yeah. but it's. I think it's really solid. His uh, Connor, can you keep a damn man? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I heard, I heard that grunt. So uh, for listeners that can hear that, we, uh, we have... He's auditioning to be the intern. Let's be honest. I don't think you guys have made a final choice yet. No, no, no. He's no. not. He's not. He's There's not numerous candidates. Yeah. 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 Kyle. Yeah. Ryan. I will say that in Boy Meets World, the most compelling character uh, to me was his best friend that yeah. had kind of a rough Corey. background. Yeah. That oh, no, a, no. Corey's the main one. No. Sean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Pull that one out. The whole the day. whole Topanga Corey thing is uninteresting. No, but the Topanga thing is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but Bart met Topanga. <laughs> I think at some like cele- like some celebrity dinner or something like years ago. I just slid right in Bart's DM. I said, "Yo, you're next to Topanga, bro. <laughs> Say what's up for me." Yeah, get that shit done. <laughs> now that was that was an interesting uh, show. But I think for a lot of these transformations, people get it twisted where they think. You know, like it's the routine they're doing. I'm like, it's Mm. not the routine that they're doing. I do think that on average, celebrities, if you uh, take a cross section of the average American, they're likely, they likely have better genetics than the average person to start. And then you supplement it uh, heavily. You, one of the things that they do, they restrict the eating. Like they had that uh, dude that's going to be in the uh, Eternals, Kumail, Mm -hmm. and he was on Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's on a little sauce, eh? Yeah, I'm not going to say anything because I'm not. Uh, that's that wasn't the individual I was referring to, but his transformation is mighty suspicious. <laughs> but one of the things is where and where it gets dogmatic and where it gets dangerous, also for uh, the masses, and that's where going back all the way to the tonic of what we're talking about, trying to spread good information. Where Kumail, because he's just following what his trainer tells him, sure. And his trainer has needlessly restricted his his carbohydrates because keto right now is one of the cra- uh, mm-hmm. crazes. But he's a primary example. I'm not accusing him, but I'm just saying the individuals that are taking super physiological doses of testosterone or other other things can synthesize muscle while still not having the requisite amount of carbohydrates or, or being in a calorie deficit. Right. So a you, lot yeah, easier you could than be so you could be in a deficit. Yeah. You could not have the necessary building blocks yeah. that a natural athlete would need to yeah. build muscle and or still build muscle in the Right, yeah, and so what they did, Mike. I don't know if uh, you saw it was just on Jimmy Kimmel, and it kind of it didn't want to go like super viral, but you know all this shit gets millions of views. Then I saw it. he essentially has gone very low carb for an entire year, and he's built a lot of muscle too. I'm like, ah, oh, it doesn't work that way, yeah. but okay. But but what Jimmy Kimmel did is that he descended 
a cake and a bunch because it's like, like Camille, like what are your favorite foods? And he's like, oh, like I can go for like a brown. Oh, I haven't had a carb in a year. He says, right? Like I would kill for a brownie. And what? Uh, and what Jimmy Kimmel does? He brings them all out. That's fucked and up. And Kumail's hand is shaking. <laughs> and and uh, Jimmy Kimmel's like, no, go on, just take. Like you're not gonna get fat off of one. And his hands like shaking as he takes like a piece of the dessert or whatever That's and so eats it. Up. And I'm like, this this right here, guys. Yeah. Is a is a eating disorder waiting to waiting happen. to happen like yeah. this? And, and but what's a problem about it? It's not Kumail's problem because no. it's a case of broken telephone where he's told by his trainer, "Go low carb. That's sure. your secret." And then it's like, "Oh, we're gonna give you supplements." Like he doesn't even know that. Uh, he, he does. He probably doesn't even really know that he's taking steroids. You know what I mean? Mm. Because for some individuals, the Mayo Clinic, as an example, has um, uh, how do you say uh, confused creatine with steroids so it's under their category supplements where they talk about uh, supplements and steroids for teens they don't make a clear distinction that creatine is different than steroids so if your trainer says hey take this like you know you take this uh, it's going to help you out he's like yeah it'll help me out yeah. it's like, but also you can't eat carbs if you ask Kumail like what led to his transformation it's like okay I you know yeah, I had some supplements. Definitely going no, you know, carbs, high yeah. fat, and protein mm. tr- like transform my body. And the routine it gave me I was like, what actually? Like, if we were to come up with a pie chart of what what really made the change, it'd be drastically different. And it becomes dangerous when the audience is now listening to this, and then they think I got to eat no carbs. Right. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. That that's yeah. what's been fucking with me. Yeah. Carbs. Yeah, it's a whole industry problem. Uh, which is uh, why we wanted to kind of touch on this topic because the last episode we had you on was with uh, Eric Helms, and we talked about how to like find a gimmick or et cetera, et cetera. And Eric had like a list which was fucking golden. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is he, I don't even want to blame. You obviously can't blame the actor. Mm-mm. You can't really even. You, you can definitely put some blame on his trainer, but you blame the industry because yeah. whatever industry, Hollywood industry, fitness mm-hmm. industry, then made that guy an expert somehow, and he has no clue what he's talking about yeah. rather than again like this example to remember the titans actor f- stumbled upon dr isertel and lucky enough for him like he found a really smart guy to follow yeah mm-hmm. um also didn't uh Kumail do a movie with dave batista i don't so doubt it maybe I, I gotta give a shout out to dave uh real quick just because he's gonna be going to fortis fitness oh, again dope. he goes to trump but but uh i will say um it's kind of like hey let's use another example mark Wahlberg teams up with the rock Mark starts looking a little bit better and better. You know what I mean? It's like no, he did back in the day, though. No, no, yeah, but there was a gap. You know what I mean? Yeah, Mike, yeah, like, there's yeah. like a ten year gap of yeah, him yeah. being in quotations normal. Yeah. Then he did No Pain No Gain or, yeah, yeah. or, or whatever yeah, yeah. that movie was, and then he's yeah, since that point again. being yacked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all of them, and, and I get it too because they're stuck in the superficial world where they're making money based on their looks. Or I think the biggest thing, like you already talked about, like um, their trainer uh, giving them uh, these supplements, and they're just taking these supplements. But for the audience, or again for all of us to like maybe find this gimmick or understand, is like you got to look at the time period in which this transformation happened. Like some of these actors, it might be like three to six months, yeah. and you're like, no, it, like this just doesn't happen, and, yeah. and and that could be demotivating for many of you. But hopefully, the truth will motivate you in the long term. Like, all right, well then I'll build this into my lifestyle and allow this just to be part of me and the change will come when it comes but yeah you can't just go from like dad bod for lack of a better term Mm. to like jacked superhero in six months no one can do that even the best genetics in the world aren't going to do that christopher reeve is like six or eight weeks yeah he's not big (laughs) yeah yeah i mean that that suits padded out yeah to a certain extent 100 percent man oh the original superman you know i loved, loved christopher reeve um but a thing that another thing that uh, like if you were an actor and you had the money and whatever, you could go in and have your abs etched. You could have all yeah, the fat sucked off yeah. off the top of your abs. Oh, yeah. 
so that they would basically always be showing, and then you would not be worrying about that part of yeah. the, the fatness. Yeah, I don't know the answer, and uh, I'm not. I'm not the one that I think we need to like filter all that either for like people to feel better about themselves. I'm I'm fine with pretty people being on the screen. Like I get it, and that's like what's attractive when people want to watch. It's just when it comes to like I guess the fitness industry and the truth when they say like the shortcuts or or they don't tell the truth about the shortcuts. That's the only part that pisses mm. me off. I don't care that they. If you want to do some plastic surgery for you, whatever, do whatever makes you freaking happy. I think the main difference now is that due to social media, due to yeah. the internet, the knowledge asymmetry that existed before shouldn't exist. So meaning that, you know, 30 years ago, you'd be marketed, would have uh, the weeder systems or whoever else that would tell you this is what you need to do. And there is no way to easily access good information. Yeah. So in order to see what actually is out there, what do I need to know? Okay, wait a second. What they're trying to tell me, it's all marketing. Cool. Now, a simple Google search, going back to that individual that made the transformation from Remember the Titans and uh, credited Mike Isretel, there's a lot more good resources. So in an unregulated community, so in the fitness industry that's not regulated whatsoever, it is on the participants in order to try and self-regulate via critiquing certain things in a fair way. And I think that's what's been done. I mean, I do remember, I've been on YouTube now for a decade I remember a decade ago where doing a deadlift was considered stupid, that you're going to harm yourself, that it was dangerous, and all these myths that were just spread, and they were kept up because no one challenged the status quo. But as you change the knowledge asymmetry, so before you had companies telling you what to do, and educators or individuals that actually had true knowledge, and this kind of goes in everything these days when it comes to media, where you know we could talk about the concept of climate change, where you'll have an actual scientist on one side of the screen, and then you'll have a political pundit on the next you give them equal weight and if it if a consumer is not informed and they see two individuals debating and you don't know the science yeah. and another individual yeah, so the political pundit is more well versed in terms of you know body language yeah. cadence debates rhythm, even uh, debate skills yeah. Yeah. so all those points like they could be more compelling <clears throat> right as a presenter, right. but the scientist can be 100% correct. And sadly, it happens the opposite way, too. And that's why we did that episode with Eric on like yep. how to spot a gimmick. Because it can happen the other way, too, where um, maybe, uh, you know, an expert, per se, may step out of their, their zone of expertise yep. or uh, white coat bias or whatever it might be or or people on the internet, per se, where they're trainers, oh, certified CPT, and they're doing all this stuff on Instagram, where they actually have no real knowledge, they don't go deeper. As much as good information is more accessible, bad information is just as much more acceptable nowadays, too. Or accessible, excuse me. Yeah, I I do think the overall fitness IQ has improved. For sure. When we see things like uh, Kumail, or all these things online, there is in our little bubble, uh, because uh, essentially... You can influence, um, let's say, the masses to a certain extent where if someone like Mike Isretel was to critique an individual, and that's where I think, uh, and I'm just going to say it, that is where I think Rogan fails uh, in the nutrition space where he does have on occasion. Yeah, he had Lane, yeah. uh, And that's cool, but he actually, his own bias is what he's feeding into consistently where he'll try like the carnivore diet or uh, keto keto guys, or he'll just say something like, you know, yeah, I I mean, I know athletes that uh, did keto and they perform a lot better. I'm like, how do we even quantify this? You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. and what energy systems are we talking about that's what actually andy gelpin I, I think did a good job but uh, the same idea us as consumers we just have to be a little bit aware that everything is not what it seems and that's and that's one of the things i think that's one of the uh parts of let's say the postmodern era of culture 
where people feel that they can't trust anyone. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's like, you know, when it comes to cinema now, the untrustworthy narrator or when it comes to books, it's like, relax, it's fine. It's like, just do your due diligence as a consumer. And then as participants, I think we should hold each other to a certain standard. And that's one of the things that is kind of necessary, I think, in general for any unregulated industry. I think a lot of positive change is happening. And so I'm thrilled to see that. And yeah. I'm thrilled compared to, as you know, Mike, like 10 years ago yeah, compared to the knowledge. Um, I do think what you said where uh, individuals, unfortunately, certain experts in quotations, so let's say gurus, uh, people that are trusted for their level of information, it becomes dangerous where they self-aggrandize themselves as individuals. So they think, you know, I know everything, I know what's up. Uh, And then they'll extend beyond their knowledge. So I think knowledge is domain specific. You got a PhD in nutritional sciences. Great. Talk about that. You want to talk, I don't know, you want to talk about something else that is completely unrelated, but is kind of like people look to you and they want to know a certain question. Like, I don't know, I'm making up like sleep, like uh, yeah. oh, whatever. It's like boy, A, B, C, D. Well, I, it's even way closer than that. Like me and you are kind of like, <clears throat> we can talk some hypertrophy. We can talk some nutrition. We can talk some strength training. But then if people ask you and I real specific questions on Olympic lifting, you and I will just refer it out. No. Um, but people are like too egotistical, especially extra egotistical with the internet to do that. They always want to have an answer. They'll either say a blanket statement like, oh, it's bad. Don't do cleans. Or, or they'll try to teach a clean when they don't have, you know any experience use resistance bands i knew actually uh neil grab an ass is tyson uh neil degrasse tyson <laughs> you heard about his controversy it's not even important yeah, but yeah one, one of the things that's they fucked said up dude we were trying to get him yeah. on the show and oh, now yeah. we're talking I, about him so grabbing well asses. i, I, we I just the fuck out of everyone that's what <laughs> i knew him yeah, yeah neil himself neil himself well, well one of the things is that uh with him i could tell there's a certain smugness um with neil and he has just said grandiose statements where it's like man you need to be held up to task that exist outside of his you know domain which is astronomy physics cool where he basically said that philosophy is an entire discipline is essentially useless and he, he stated certain things like that with such a surety and uh, a sense of self-righteousness where i'm saying something like this is right it's like wait a second it's like, how much of philosophy do you know yeah the, the entire yeah, an entire discipline you're shitting on just because I think essentially, honestly, he doesn't understand it or he doesn't see maybe utility uh, for it, but that's not what you know at all. You know, it's like I'm yeah. I'm not about to try and talk once again. And you uh, can just say like, yeah, that's not my cup of tea because he's more of this science-based guy or whatever, which right. is absolutely fine. Yeah. But the, to, yeah, to shit on something. The Russians had it right. I mean, just to give uh, Connor Tarkovsky uh, some credit, <laughs> I, think, I think the right uh, trinity of anything, honestly, not to get uh, super deep, is the trinity between science being a component, art being another component, and then depending upon... Uh, uh, you know which way you gravitate you could say theology or yeah, you could say also philosophy yeah. I'd say uh, philosophy would be another one that you could substitute that out but that's a that's an interesting one so we we exist we live in a, in a society and we have individuals spreading poor information and they have people uh, trying to make a change we're trying to do the right thing yeah do the right thing like Spike Lee never seen it it's a fantastic movie I'll watch that when you watch that. the Titans right <laughs> it's so good so I like I have noticed that uh, recently yeah. you've been posting more sure, se- semi yeah semi naked pictures hot photos and hot, I, uh, yeah and so I unfollowed your yeah. your um, well I started feeling just so confused uh, anyway um, oh you're not confused you're feeling the right thing okay all right as long as what as long as I was picking up what you were putting down I yeah. guess we're all right then yeah. Uh, but you're you've definitely moved into the I'll have what he's having zone yeah. for a lot of guys. <laughs> no. Consistency over time. Oh, you mean the transformation? Good. Oh, I thought we were going creatine. elsewhere. 
I, yeah. I, th- I think Omar's always looked good. He does look best, uh, really uh, good now. Like, and he took you pictures. Look, you look big in pictures. Well, I thought like. we were going to go a different way with this, which uh, is you, actually you go ever, whichever way you want. Omar's uh, we're my, accepting. Here. He, you like, you have a lot of great things to say over the billions of times we've hung out and decades you've put out content. But one of the better ones was uh, you were just uh, organic and authentic and real, like all these other Instagrammers. But you talked about um, how you did your own little case study, basically of your f- gaining followers from showing them more skin. Yeah, uh, and that one of those captions I think I even reposted on my Facebook dude give you a shout out to all two people following me that was one of my favorite captions too Thank because you. it kind of embodies the whole thing where other people won't even seem to admit that they're just following a trend of posting what other girls are posting or other guys are posting just to gain that following where you and I want a following too like we're not going to lie to you like we put out what we think is good content and entertaining content because we want people to watch it and follow us yeah. but um, you have to develop an audience though yeah, yeah and 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 we also don't want to be like status quo, just you know, show butt cracks and yeah. It, it, when it, are butt cracks going to get sexy? Because then, then it's my time on Instagram. I think it is a delicate balance between what you think people should know or what you want to present that you think has utility. So hey, this is going to help someone out, and then also what attracts an audience. And there is that fine balance, and it's something that has to be felt. I think for myself with the recent transformation, I've actually always known that I can lean down. It's just. And I still feel this when it comes to the primary movements because I like what makes me most happy in the gym is lifting more weight. Like that is the thing I would say between all the different things. I do like getting bigger, but you know, getting hyped up that adrenaline, like kind of we spoke about it before, Mike, in the gym, I like lifting more. Uh, to lift the most amount of weight, my body fat is higher than when I'm lean. Sure. Just simply put, just it is what it, it is. It feels better. Yeah, and it feels better on the joint. It feels better on everything else. I just feel like I can perform more, and I have the requisite amount of calories to recover. But I think it's interesting where a lot of individuals that would consider themselves to be in the strength space, they kind of struggle with the nutritional component, right, uh, Jim, where they see for themselves like, oh, I like, oh, I can't eat this. I can't do that. And so they like to go hard in the gym, but then when it comes to the concept, I would say, of asceticism, so the denial of certain things, self-discipline. So traditionally um, in religions, it would be fasting, but there's a variety of different ways that you can uh, do it right it's just the process of trying to become more disciplined um they fail and i think there's a few different reasons behind that for myself i always knew at some point i could get lean and in 2020 i will get even leaner because the discipline component and uh, it really the choice not to get super deep to get lean was about taking the power back when it comes to fitness for myself because what had happened over the last probably year and a half, I had a few uh, setbacks, nothing crazy, but just like, you know, joints kind of hurt, a knee thing, remember when I was down last time, just a few different things where I could give my 100%, it's not a problem, just like what you talk about, Mike, where you're an athlete, you know, you go to the gym, I gotta do one, two, three to get better, I'm gonna do one, two, three. It's not a question like, oh, like I don't, if I go to the gym, I'm going, I'm, I'm going there. And so when those setbacks would occur and they would prematurely stop that process, the process of self-improvement, you go through the cycle where it's like, well, wait a second, I'm not as strong as I want to be. I'm not able to do the things that I want. And then not even your identity as a lifter, but your motivation, because the thing you want to achieve gets further and further away. 
And so for myself, the primary choice when I saw, and I told Eric this, when I saw Eric in July when he was competing at a show, and I meant nothing negative when I said that. I saw him with a shirt off, saw him repeatedly with a shirt off, and I thought, I could do this. Like, I, I just yeah, saw yeah. his physique because I saw what he looked like on stage, mm-hmm. and he looks great. Like, he he was uh, completely conditioned, muscular, all those things. He was aesthetic, right? Um, but when I saw him in person, I just thought to myself, I'm like, I could get this lean. Yeah, like, yeah. I just because I'd never seen someone, um, like Eric, let's say someone that I know is natural, um, get to that stage of leanness in person. I've, I've seen people at bodybuilding sure, shows, whatever. Or Ronnie Coleman videos. Yeah. It's all different. But I'm like, yeah, I could, yeah, I could do this. So I, I want to lean down, but it was about taking the power back where when it comes to nutrition, nutrition actually, I would say, in my opinion, is far more simple as long as you have that discipline and the a healthy relationship with uh, your body and food and all those other things and all this comes from essentially my mom giving me too much self-confidence as a child saying you could do it well actually she wouldn't just say you can do it it's like i'm like hey mom i want to do the track she's like you got this now tomorrow 6 a.m we're going to the track so it's not it's not empty confidence it's yeah. like i'm going to give you the tools so yeah, that you show can you excel. a little path too yeah and then i'm going to reaffirm positive affirmation that you got this but what I was going to say is it was about taking the power back because I had lost some of that control when I was training and I wasn't able to achieve those goals. It's this endless cycle of, oh man, a little bit of apathy where you feel, all right, it's happening again. When it comes to nutrition, you're in full control, right? And I like that where you could just, it's like, okay, I got to be in a little bit of a calorie deficit. I'm going to lower my carbohydrates. Then in three weeks, I'm going to have, you know, a carb up or whatever. Cool. You could plan it out. And as long as you adhere to the plan and as long as you train, at a moderate intensity, so you don't have to train crazy, you will get leaner and you will look better. Yeah, it's a little different than yeah. uh, lifting itself where uh, I think I've done the speech way too many times, but like talk about sacrificing for the unknown. You could write the perfect 16-week deadlift program and you could not hit a PR at the end. But if you oh, write, yeah. but if you write for the sure. perfect 16-week nutrition, you're going to get results, yeah. whether it's a bulk or a, a, yeah. you're going – because it's like more science, I guess. There's too many, There's more factors that come into the training. You tweak your back or you miss – whatever, you miss groove. Shit, more shit can happen, I guess, where nutrition, like you said, if you write it out or just stick to it, uh, you're good. Something uh, – just circling back to mid-speech of yours um, – that uh, pet peeves because I just wanted to shit talk today. Um, sure. <laughs> people like uh, powerlifters and even bodybuilders. Um, I think there's very few people that actually rely on discipline with their nutrition that are insanely shredded or successful with their physiques. A lot of them, I think, rely on uh, what whether you want to call it addiction or uh, eating disorders, mm-hmm. um, which is a whole other topic for another day. And then my other shit talk on these people are is that you go to the gym like four days a week and you train for an hour and you talk about how hard goddamn working you are and how disciplined you are yeah. like four hours it's four it, hours out of an entire week and now you're mr fucking discipline <laughs> and hard work so mike i i, I would much, really. I would no, actually, that's absolutely nothing i pick my nose more hours in a week than that i think uh so eric helms actually does have a great overview a meta-analysis i think called uh a, a sustainable nutritional paradigm for physique athletes where essentially what it is it's it's pretty insane where for the average individual we assume a certain identity so that person that you're talking about and i totally know uh what you're referring to mike the hard worker where it's like i, I like i go to the gym i crush this they make a mountain out of a molehill yeah and one of the things i was very careful about when i did uh, kind of this recent just losing 20 pounds is have a little perspective, right? So I'd go for a walk. Like I did some very minor changes that make huge 
huge differences over three months. I'd walk to the gym, which is 50 minutes. I'd mm-hmm. walk back. So it'd be an hour and 40 minutes or, or whatnot per day. So that's an additional, honestly, four to 500 calories at least I'm burning per day. So that's huge in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I figured out the meals I wanted to eat that I found enjoyable. And then I, I figured out roughly the calories I needed to eat. I'm like, I could do this. It's sustainable. My family's very supportive. So in the house, it's not like we're ordering pizza every day like everyone else. So it, there's nothing. My house the, is yeah. not as... <laughs> So it's like, so creating, supportive. There's so creating, goddamn pizza on the counter every day. <laughs> so what I try to do is create a, a recipe for success to make it as easy as possible. Because I think what people do, and I think Mike hit on something, is they want heavy lies the crown type of thing, yeah. where they want to be the blemished hero. Where you know, I, I didn't know if I was going to make it. I couldn't even walk by McDonald's today. Right. Yeah, I had to, I had to stop myself. I'm like, it doesn't, yeah. hey, dog. It doesn't need to be that hard. And so I think as humans, we sometimes do that. And uh, not again, once again too too deep but you'll notice that when it comes to fitness i first noticed that as a personal trainer where some people it's an endless loop that tends to occur so just picture a circle where they're running around in a circle where they want to achieve a goal and the goal is you know you know 10 steps in front of them but they're just walking around in a circle because they actually don't want to achieve that they're comfortable being in the in quotations the struggle yeah so a sense that they're not achieving something but they want to try and achieve it so it's this neat little process they'll never get out of where they feel that they're always there's a little schism inside of them instead of saying you know what let's achieve this and then what yeah right? and set a new one right yeah. so i think i think trying to make things as easy as possible it's not sexy and i think there is uh, when we talk about uh, sadomasochism I think a lot of that does exist inside the lifting community. No joke. Like, no, I'm, I, yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah, where it's just like, oh, like I, I hate myself. I'm like, I don't. I've never felt that way. You know, like I, I've, I've never tried to lift a weight, and I was like, you're worthless, or or, or any of that stuff. I'm like, like kind of that uh, positive self talk. Like, all right, man, let's get this right. It's kind of like the athlete. Like for and, and again, different things motivate different sure. people. So I'm not. I, but I don't, if that's your mentality, seven days a week, twenty four hours, it's probably unhealthy. If you, you if you, you can turn it off for an hour, yeah. If you yeah. can turn it on and off for an hour yes. sure maybe yeah that actually makes me think of something an article i was reading yesterday about the san francisco giants and their new manager and he's like a uh positive mental attitude junkie yeah. yeah he has the largest staff in major league baseball now going into the season 13 assistant coaches a lot of them like psychs guys or something they're random. they're all 100 percent though uh positive mental attitude people yeah that's and cool. the the Giants because they're going to suck this year. There's pretty much no no guarantee that they're going to be, you know, they even have a winning season this year. Yeah. But like they're talking about bringing back guys like um like uh, Pablo Panda. Yeah, yeah. Or like or good, like good locker Pence room guys because they're yeah. really positive. Yeah. Whatever. So it's like okay, if you're going to lose all season, at least you can have a good attitude. Yeah, about learn it. something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think right. locker room guys is a. Uh, big thing whether it's uh community in a gym guys on youtube uh guys on a team professional sports or high school you gotta have that attitude guy or that some and it can come different ways it could be the hard-working guy or the yeah. guy willing to sacrifice a little bit and doesn't talk or it could be yeah more vocal leader for sure uh you know what always makes you feel really good is when somebody gives you flowers I got my first bouquet sent to me, and it may or may not have been by this ad, but it did make me feel really good about myself. <laughs> okay, we were we were discussing on an off mic that uh, um, you know we, we we're doing these these spots right now for for books, yep, uh, and uh, to encourage all y'all to uh, send flowers, show some love for Valentine's Day or whatever holiday to those people that you love. 
But um, Mike did not understand that these were coming, and he got two bouquets. I don't understand. Kyle came upstairs with the bouquets that were sent to me, and he's like, what's up, dude? And I was like, I don't know, man. It's kind of exciting. And so we went downstairs. We were looking for the note who sent it to me. I thought maybe I had a secret admirer. Said that oh. I don't. But, but I would like to point out that I only it. got one, so you might actually have an- uh, Someone at Books? You guys want to be my Valentine? Yeah. For that agency? Appreciate you. Uh, again- Valentine's around the corner, my friends. And if you guys want to uh, uh, hook up your loved one, caring mothers, whatever it might be. I've never really had like a Valentine's per se, so I just try to take care of my mom's. I think she might be out of town. I don't know what's going on. But again, not everyone prefers roses on Valentine's Day, but Book's got you covered uh, with whatever you want to do. Styled bouquets, sweet treats, which is what would actually make me feel really good about myself. Plants, gifts, and succulents. If you're a typical dude and you forgot and you have a girlfriend, wife, boyfriend, mother, sister, cousin, and you're stuck playing the new Call of Duty all day and you forgot to get them a freaking present. Uh, they can do some overnight stuff. They can uh, schedule it ahead of time also if you want to stay on top of your gifting. Stay on top of your gifting. Be the In, in your gifting universe, be a, be a leader. Be a leader. Uh, another thing that actually, this is very true, that uh, these flowers, they're, because they're so fresh, they're coming from, you know, basically from the farms. Uh, like immediately, instead of going through a store or whatever, they actually still have like the smell they're supposed to have. They're supposed to, they, I mean, they are supposed to smell like, you know, flowers and they do as opposed to the stuff. A lot of times when you go to the store, yeah, the smell is long gone because they've been in a, in one cold storage locker after sitting by the strawberries for 10 hours or sitting by the strawberries for, yeah. In that basket, like as you walk into Trader Joe's or wherever, um, not as, not as fragrant an experience as uh, what we got with our books bouquets. Uh, there's a great Valentine's Day deal going on right now. Uh, go to books.com, B-O-U-Q-S.com. You get 25% off of your first order. Books.com slash fax, in fact, and use the code fax to get the uh, to get that great discount. 25% off right now, B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash fax, F-A-C-T-S, with code fax at checkout. You can send them to Omar, you can send them to me, and pretend you care about us, and... Uh have a happy Valentine's. I mean, they could care about you, and that's I why hope they're so. sending it. I hope so. Why I do you think s- someone has to pretend? Because I need to be on the Giants. I need a more positive team around me. <laughs> I think that somebody must, I think somebody is feeling extra about you because you got two bouquets. I Maybe. Don't, Maybe, I, or they or, or they just fucked up the order. Maybe so, possibly. Wow. All right. Anyway, books.com slash facts, code facts. All right, back in it. Baseball uh, season, basketball season, Super Bowl. We got it all going on. Niners are in the Super Bowl. There's some crazy stat. I think uh, the Bay Area had the hardest-hitting uh, sports over the last decade or two between the Warriors, Giants. I don't know if the Sharks were involved. And now the Niners. Oh, the Sharks, the hockey team? Yeah, yes. San Jose. Somebody uh, memed out because the Kings, uh, I think my two teams were the worst teams of the decade, the Sacramento Kings and the Cleveland Browns <laughs> uh, by like win percentage. Uh, but someone else memed out because there's a lot of really loyal Kings fans here. Like uh, Northern California hits uh, hardest in sports and because San Francisco is obviously here. So like la- label all the Giants, the Niners. Yeah, yeah. The Niners been in the Super Bowl twice. Uh, Golden State, obviously, fat streak and the Giants. Uh, a couple of years ago, and then no mention of the Kings, obviously, but they threw Sacramento in there, and I appreciated that. I had a thought because we, we last episode we talked a little bit about the Kobe Bryant situation, yeah, yeah, and this is purely speculation on my part, but I think that 
his celebrity potentially led to what happened. And I'll tell you why I think that. Yeah, in what sense? I think that it is difficult to tell a celebrity no. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard some people talk about stuff like this. And... Like, for example, uh, years ago, when he was still alive, because it's really hard to treat someone who's already dead, uh, Patrick Swayze was a a patient at my wife's hospital. And this was when they had stopped letting people smoke within, like, their rooms in the hospital, because that used to be a thing. Yeah. But, like, staff people would go and smoke in um, in the stairwells, and... Uh, he broke his femur for heaven's sake, so he wasn't super mobile. But they actually like let him because he was a super crazy smoker. He smoked all the time. all that leanness that he had going on. I yeah. don't know what else was nicotine having, but nicotine was a big factor <laughs> in that. Uh, they let him smoke in the in the stairwells when they wouldn't let any other patient do yeah. that because it's very difficult to say no. Yeah, to a Mr. Dirty Dancing. Not only yeah. say no to a celebrity, but and I don't know Kobe obviously or Patrick by any means personally but uh you'd imagine some of these people um and maybe not kobe in particular because i've heard some other stories that are really cool that i might share uh, that i just read but um th- they might have a personality they might have an ego they might have a demanding ego they're used to being treated a certain way so they might be not only uh do these nurses or mm-hmm. whatever have a feeling because they're a celebrity but then these celebrities have like a, a vocal power and like order demanding um certain treatments and he very well might not have done that. That's what I meant with Kobe and Patrick, not in particular. Because I've heard some insanely cool, like, humble stories of Kobe. Um, I was talking about this the other day because everyone, like, a lot of celebrities are narcissists. just happens. That's how people rise. CEOs, mm-hmm. uh, actors in particular, and probably athletes, although I have a personal argument against that, which we can dive into later. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a really cool story I heard about Kobe. I think after we already um, podcasted that uh, – there was an accident on one of the freeways uh, like the week before uh, the helicopter accident and uh, Kobe was like the first dude to pull over and like run to the cars and like settle these people's nerves and shit and he didn't post about it, media didn't post about it, um, which is just kind of like anti-Kobe in a way because a lot of people see him as like an egotistical mm-hmm. guy. For to see it, to see that he is like actually uh, very caring, and he didn't have to post about it on his fucking Instagram that he saved someone's life or right. cared about him or whatever. Where right. uh, me and Omar had a lot of conversations, jokingly and not last night, about celebrities like faking authenticity or faking realness, but they're really just virtue signaling to show that they're so real and so good. And so it's how they see themselves. They want to be seen a certain way. But uh, one of the things I think one of the through threads of this uh, conversation today is probably critiquing systems and not individuals. For sure. And what I mean when I say that. If you were to take a thousand people and give them the level of notoriety, fame, success of someone like Kobe, how many would be humble? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or how, how many? What would they do if they achieved that? Yeah. And there is a process that occurs where you go from being a good athlete uh, to a fantastic athlete to being widely recru- recruited to being part of you know one of the top teams in the world to being uh, you know winning champion. So your celebrity continues to rise. Sure. It's, it's, it's a slow process, but it happens. But at some point. You transcend the normal human experience. Yeah, 100%. And I think the average person, if if someone is acting how the average individual would, no, I'm not saying it's okay, but it's more a critique. It should be more of a critique on the system than the individual. It's only when it becomes gross, uh, let's say to a certain extent, where you notice uh, there is that difference So between what someone thinks they are and how they actually act, and then the intention behind it or what they use with that fame where it be, potentially becomes dangerous. Yeah, you know? well, that's where uh, part of the argument that you just said, like the slow growth and probably the work ethic that has to go in with most um, athletes is my argument against where 
definitely their ego can change and their persona can change as they get more popular and grow in celebrity status of difference of like an actor per se um, or even me maybe a CEO although that could be a slow growth as well um, for them actually having like a narcissistic disorder where like a celebrity will just like step on anybody do anything they need to get to that level same with the CEO right that's why they're like like they have good work ethic if that's like what you want to put on a pedestal like an insane worth ethic that'll bite anyone's head off to get to where they want to go and screw anybody in the back Um, different than perhaps Kobe's work ethic and maybe being a little self-absorbed as you have to as an athlete to get to um, these levels of greatness which again the system our society puts on such a pedestal as our heroes nowadays Um, but I think that's where my head differentiates where yeah you can have an ego maybe you can be humble um you know my good friend luau uh our boy jacob ross works with him uh huge contracts in the nba highly recruited out of high school he's like top 10 Mm -hmm. uh, players in the country uh, moved here from europe um one of the most grounded dudes like an insane contract with the lakers you know it's like 70 mil for four years or something like big time contract nba all-star um and you hang out with him, and he's just, like, one of the dudes, you know? Yeah. So, like, it is possible for sure. No, you could almost make the counter-argument, exactly what you're saying, Mike, that if you were to take the average person, that they would do worse yeah. with that fame. Potentially. This, so there's something, um, yeah. a, a great... Uh, I think even in our industry. Like, sure. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, and I critique it because, like, our industry is so small compared to, like, you know, people say famous or internet famous. I fucking hate those terms because yeah. it's, like, so <laughs> different than, like... Brad Pitt going to the grocery store or something yeah. like me and Omar like yeah. people kind of yell at us and your fame also comes up. with money and other factors like yeah, meaning yeah. that like Brad Pitt can go uh, to a club and get in Brad Pitt can yeah, do yeah. ABCD yeah, yeah. no like, gives a fuck he has about a financial security it's like you're you're a recognizable face yeah but even between that um, there's people in our world that I think like and I've talked about this a lot and I like say it in jest but I kind of mean it where like after you have like 20 or 30,000 followers on the internet, you need like a PR class. Cause I read like how, how some of these people act uh, on their own page and the content they put out and then how entitled they act to people in their comments. And then even some of the content they post is like so entitled. And I was like, bro, a couple people follow you on the internet. Even if it's a couple hundred thousand, like mm. there's, you're, you're not, you have no gifts. Like, yeah, like, and, and some people on the internet, uh, again, back to the celebrity narcissist, narcissistic side is they, it can happen like this on the internet like yep. oh we're like you've been on youtube in like 12 years i've yep. been on in this grind with jim for like 10 years youtube for maybe six or seven but it's been like a slow progress for all of us yep. so i think maybe we adjusted more to you know getting recognized or whatever where some people just eat that up like there's something special like you're not yep. fucking special and you can't treat people this way on the internet i think yeah. i i also think intent is one of the important distinctions sure. where for myself i could say safely i read that uh, nasim Tlaib a book black swan in 2008 and they talk about uh, the fat tail so basically the statistical probability of doing something what is the upside what's the downside so risk reward essentially and youtube i was able to quickly identify it's like there's basically no risk because you're just putting out content if it doesn't pop off cool whatever yeah, quote unquote waste of time would be the only one yeah and i the intention behind it is that you know for me family is very important i wanted to make sure my mom's all good and so the motivation for me was to financially try and help out 
family members, right? To help the family first. It wasn't like, oh, this is cool. I could go viral. But now uh, kids these days, when they see, there's no money also in uh, uh, YouTube. When I started, the basic thought process for me was I coach people. I could probably coach, not probably, I can coach people online. So if I could demonstrate some of my knowledge, I can attract the type of clientele that I'd want and I could work as an online trainer. And that would give me the freedom of time because uh, certain individuals might need appointments in my life where I'd want to have more freedom than I had as a trainer. So it allows me to have a more sustainable career, all these things. I wasn't like, oh, like when my face is on a billboard, like yeah, yeah. That, that's just not how I thought. But, I but now say, you do. But uh, why isn't it? You know, is uh, <laughs> I do think uh, uh, that line, uh, uh, Nietzsche, where he says, um, be careful essentially wrestling with monsters that you don't become one. And what I mean is that every individual, you have to experience it on your own, and then you'll see when the fame monster, to quote then Lady Gaga, um, when, it, <laughs> when it bites you, how you act will reveal itself, and you think you might know what you'll do, but you'll see what happens. And I use yeah. this example, I think, privately, but there's an individual that we know um, that basically was a power, she was a powerlifter, and she had a small following, and she basically would endlessly talk shit about the individuals that became famous in our little uh, circle. So people that would get 100,000 followers, 200,000 followers, like, man, I can't believe they're supporting this. That nutrition company, oh, I would never do such a thing. Like, I I can't believe that they're doing all these things. The biggest shit talker, and that's fine, right? Critiquing the system, sure. all those other things. Slowly, we're not the, we're not the biggest fan of huge sponsorship uh, being sponsored right. by the same company. Like we're we're also that we just yeah. don't then, always hey, negatively say it. powerlifters. We're kind of having a moment then a few years later, and powerlifting goyles were definitely is one of the things where guys like they could be strong too. I'm in, right? So it was like it was a niche that was popping off yeah. over the last few years. So she was a powerlifter. She started popping off. She started gaining a following. And lo and behold, what happened? She actually not only started accepting more endorsements than the average person, but shittier ones. So I'm talking about uh, like yeah. essentially less the, ethical or less the detox teas and mm. all like all the or and it was like an a detox tea. So she was actually less ethical than the average person she was critiquing. So sometimes there is that large chasm between how you see yourself and the reality of things. And that's one of the central tenets that I at least try and hold and I don't know how good of a job I do is I say to stay human. And what I mean when I mean to stay human is to have an honest, so empathy, uh, self-awareness, there's a perception. I think self-awareness is just like one of the biggest ones. And going to the money thing where these people, you can definitely make money from social media, no doubt, (laughs) bless you. Um, But you don't make like like celebrity style, right? So like Mm. Brad Pitt, like hypothetically just goes from, uh, I think he worked at McDonald's and now he makes $10 million with that $10 million someone lawyer friend mother made him hire a PR guy and then maybe whether he learned it intrinsically like the morals and what how he should act in yeah. public or not at least he acted that certain way where people uh, who are just gain a random falling on the internet don't have the money self-awareness or resources so then they're just acting like like bitches everywhere like <laughs> like and that's what pisses me off the most like I'm I, a god yeah and like the sellout part definitely pisses me off I don't like people promoting things that suck and then and then they also like say the industry sucks like that same person um even even while they're selling shitty things we're also like, not man, trying to affect any change no not good so positive ones if, like if you man, this industry do anything yeah, yeah. this po- the industry sucks so much but then you're still feeding that monster of the industry sucking by promoting shitty things mm. or or selling your shitty program when you even might if you're self-aware enough know that you're not that much of an expert or right everyone sells a program yeah. right now me and Omar combined with our programs like wh- fuck how old are we uh, we have 20 
over 25 years of coaching people uh, yeah. combined. Like that's insane considering yeah. we're only 25. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> right out of the womb. <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean? And so like if they were more self-aware, they wouldn't do those things mm-hmm. yet. Then they're still currently, even with their popularity, saying the industry sucks and everyone sucks and everyone's a snake. Like, yeah, you're feeding that snake. Yeah, yeah. You you actually are part of the problem. But that what, what you said, self awareness was like, oh, it's not on me. Yeah. And that's why it's one of those things where modern apologies, uh, where we're, we're having that conversation of uh, politicians, not yeah, yeah. Uh, like off camera. Where I actually think the person that we're talking about, uh, Ryan, the roles, his position is different. It's for a different reason. I actually have it for a very different reason. Why I'm critical of politicians in general. But what I'd say is the self awareness. It's uh, any apology that you make after you've been caught is not a real apology, you know, because there's a, there's a whole process. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think I'd say yeah, yeah. ninety five percent of them. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can go through yeah, the process sure. where you understand what you sure. did. You have a genuine for remorse, sure. and then you try and change as a person. Right. But if you get caught with your pants down, you're like, right. whoa, like yeah. like I I you know I'm very sorry. It's like you're not sorry for what you did. You're sorry for the ramifications, right. and now you're trying to just rewind things back and get it to how it used to be. Go, Jim. So. I think that um, that people bring their personality pathologies with them into fame. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And it, yeah, and it just it, gets escalated. It comp- yeah. yeah, compounds yeah. things. It, just like like taking steroids does for some people. Yeah. It makes their, their personality issues that much more sure. acute and annoying. Um, have either of you seen the Aaron Hernandez no, not yet. I want to. No. Yeah, I want to. and there's also a podcast. I, th- I, I honestly recommend both because... They're somewhat complimentary. Um, but yeah, talk about somebody with like a lot of personality pathology. If you look into it, like he was um, he was physically abused and emotionally abused by his father. He was sexually abused by, I guess, a relative as a child. And um, maybe was never going to have the most um, stable personality in the first place. Yeah. But oh my God, was he t- a talented athlete. Yeah. And there had to be people around him who said, this guy, there's something off here. Yeah. But he's so good that we're going forward with, with whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think I guess my, just because like we all have our own issues and I've been to therapy like every, when I was real young and then obviously now, like I think those type of people, it's hard to empathize with in some sense because like at the end of the day we're all adults and we have to be again self-awareness of self-aware enough that you went through these things and like go work on them Mm. or again you're feeding your own monster if you're not trying to work on right like it's like not an excuse like that happened to every it's sad that all these people who are now you know criminals murderers rapists whatever probably similar things happen to them at some point in their life but also we're fucking adults deal with your shit in some way so i do empathize but it's hard to it's obviously very complicated yeah. complex and that takes us back to kobe yeah. because yeah i mean he had there was a rape, rape trial, allegation yeah. rape allegation there was a uh uh Settlement, yeah, but which actually goes. I, I think those the civil case to, to Omar's biggest thing is like you didn't really obviously during the time. I'm sure his PR team and he tried to like cover it up and say sorry and whatever. But um, from his friends, which again he's a celebrity, so who really knows what's going on? But from his friends, um, that moment did he did work on it and change is what it sounds like. It sounds it like does he, sound that way, right? Yeah. And again, okay. we're all on the outside of this glass bubble of Hollywood, so who the hell knows what's going on? But it sounds like he turned turned it on and like man i gotta take care of my family i need to love my wife better i need to love my kids better and he turned into that mode it sounds like 
Yeah. It is interesting who uh, kind of gets crucified for certain things. I'm in no way, shape, or form justifying uh, what Kobe did. I really don't know that much yeah. details. But it's, as an example, the uh, what was he, the quarterback of the um, the Steelers, Ben uh, Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger. Yeah, yeah, the shit that he did. Where Supposedly it, it was like a 16-year-old girl at a bar or something, right? That's what yeah. I'm saying. In, in terms of the, the severity of the punishment or the notoriety, and you could argue, obviously, that Kobe's a, a bigger athlete. But that's also just Ben was really big during that time. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's peak. Yeah. It's an interest. I think... <laughs> to really dissect that would get into some sketchy territory, but why certain individuals get critiqued more than other individuals and and just the whole process. I do find it interesting, however, and Jim, what you're saying, we uh, talk about Aaron Hernandez and all these individuals were essentially, you know, to Mike's point, if I was to try and think about it, to me, it's kind of a hierarchy where I think we have a finite amount of resources. So if we want to try and affect change, what can we do? I think you can try and have sympathy for someone like Aaron, not condone any of his actions. But also then it's like, how do we not prevent this from happening in the future, but how do we mitigate it? And I right. I, I always do focus then on the children for, uh, first, so the youth, of course. where they're the most impressionable and, and where resources can be diverted to really transform someone mm-hmm. because we do, you know, there is a, a neuroplasticity of the uh, brain. So the older that you get, you can still change some of those mechanisms, but as a child, it's far easier where you could divert those resources and actually produce that change. And it to me, it is kind of sad where I think there are some actionable steps as a society that we can do to make things dramatically better. Uh, there's actually a um, there's a great book by someone called Jane Jacobs that was essentially a I guess you could call her an environmental activist, like a city activist, so pro people, pro people, and uh, critical of actual city planners, so uh, corporate conglomerates and uh, the city itself. And one of her uh, uh, books would be the life and death of American cities. Uh, and essentially, she was just talking about the things that actually can bring about great change. Mm-hmm. And one of the big ones just for communities uh, to make it a better place. The concept even a community is like these days, can you go yeah. to your next door neighbor and knock on and say, hey, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Like yeah, just weird. an example. It's like, can it, like down the street, it's like you have a child. It's like you're going to leave the house. Can you say like, hey, like Betty or Joe or whoever, like can you watch my kids? Like do we have that level of interaction yeah. or are we actually even less personal these days? So anyways, she highlights a bunch of things that can be positive. One of the ones actually, and research does back this up, would be green spaces right in communities Mm -hmm. right so all all these little things that i think can get done to really improve those things and the fact that obviously we're not able to muster that together is a little sad it is sad that brings me to another question shoot those i think they call them third spaces where it's like a working space not work but not home yes yeah your third space absolutely so one of those places is 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 gyms yeah right so what makes a good gym? Mm. What makes a, a gym a good place to hang out and have that third space? That's a great question. I mean, uh, you guys are going to have a lot of input into this. I need to think. Actually, Sean Kelly, who owns Force Fitness, the gym that I go to, we had a talk one day, a, a pretty damn good talk, and he was talking about the seven. Uh, essentially, the seven vices. He, he was it was related more to humans on it, just the way the child. He's he's so funny, but it is tied together with uh, his gym philosophy, 
And for myself, if I had to think about it, I think a welcoming community. So one that's community-based. Mm-hmm. So meaning that you could be a CrossFitter, a weightlifter, a powerlifter, a bodybuilder, a general lifting enthusiast, someone just off of the street, and you're treated, uh, treated with a certain dignity and uh, you're welcomed into the fold where there are certain, let's say, um, uh, pieces of etiquette, social etiquette that your community would have. So in a good gym, like, you know, you put your weights away and all those things, yeah. but you don't tell people like you don't put up signs where it's like you must put your weights away it's like it's one of those understood things and i think actually to shout out alan thrall for a second he does a very solid job at untamed strength and cultivate or trying to cultivate a certain community where individuals might help one another or the gym's clean in general where the upkeep so i think the first thing it needs to be community-based and so we're uh, not just different individuals training under the same roof will be the first one I think in terms of creating the uh, third space, I think giving people enough options to really find what they want to do. So, you know, if if you're going to have a gym and you're going to have, let's say, like a Muay Thai gym, that's great if people want to uh, do Muay Thai. But for the average individual that lifts, I think they kind of go through a little bit of that novelty effect. So having enough kind of equipment or situations or things to do where they could find themselves. So enough of a space where they could be themselves, mm-hmm. be welcomed in said space, a clear social etiquette that is kind of uh, top down, but it's more tribal. If you read Seth Godin, what he talks about when he talks about tribes. It's important for the leader, so the aka the gym owner, to communicate to the tribe. But even more important is the tribal community, so a tribe member to tribe member. So fostering kind of that and demonstrating. So you lead by example, you set down the ground rules, and then you create a safe, comfortable environment where people can be themselves and discover whatever they want to do is what I'd start with. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know if I have much else uh, to add that. I think it is a balance of finding um, between what Omar said is having enough equipment or environment or community for them to explore what they need to do. And even as like a business model, you still need an end. Yeah. Uh, you need to have like a niche. So like, yeah, mm-hmm. like Muay Thai might be too niche unless you're like the Muay Thai god and that's just what you're doing. Um, but luckily in our world, strongman CrossFit, a strength and conditioning enthusiast, someone just trying to lose weight, get stronger, someone trying to look better. They do all fit under the same equipment and roof pretty well. Um, I think the days are slowly over of those communities hating each other for no reason. Like, oh, the powerlifter's fat and the bodybuilder's dumb and the crossfitter does, is good yeah. at nothing. Like, I think those days are over. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it is hard because communities are hard. Coaching's hard. It, it, coaching is like a throwaway job. And I think I was just so lucky with my high school basketball coach who was also my PE teacher. But like the PE teacher is always like a, a joke, yeah. right? And the, even a coach is a joke. Like, oh, what do you do for fun? Like, yeah, I coach some eighth grade basketball. Like, do you like coach? Like, do you, are you into it? Or even uh, as we said, like all these people, all of a sudden it's cool to be a personal trainer because you can be popular on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But do you like really coach? And do you like lead by example? And do you know how to lead? Do you know how to communicate to different individuals and how? they accept that communication whether it be negative reinforcement versus positive reinforcement like the basics or just getting your message across to set that community in the first place um same reason that not everyone's made to be a coach is the same reason not everyone's made to be an entrepreneur same reason everyone's not made to be a boss or a gym owner um so i think those do play a huge role and and i think some of them can be learned probably but uh, a lot of it i think is within the individual on how empathetic you can be and how well you just communicate in general um, but I do think community is 1000% number one. Although I do, I think because of my background, also a balance of like being welcomed and also a balance of kind of being nervous. Uh, I don't think you should be walk into a gym or walk into whatever it is and feel the same as if you're walking into my living room, grabbing a beer. There should be a sense mm. of like, mm, all right. 
you know, like not like you have to prove yourself necessarily with the bar on the way, but like you need to show up, I guess. Like a little bit of responsibility maybe is a better word of that. A little a little bit of adrenaline to kind of or an edge, kick a little stuff up. Yeah, yeah, some kind of edge or responsibility like all right, I need to be here and I'm not going to be the guy on my phone the entire time even right. though I'm I am that guy. But <laughs> it, it, like I'm going to get after it a little bit, like a little bit of that edge. Uh, there's a concept in marketing called segmentation. We talk about you know, a niche or whatever that's like a highly segmented population and i think that um i I think that if you set your your branding and your positioning in the right way you people will self-segment they will find their community and then you will also turn away people that you don't want in your community pretty much without having to do it because if you're if you're establishing an ethic of like hard work and like responsibility and um, respect among members of the community. Um, it, when people don't meet those those standards, uh, you want the people who will say, "You know what? This isn't for me yeah. because I can't." This is asking more of me than I can actually. Or they'll do. feel uncomfortable. Yeah, kind of you don't want to have to go to go. You want to create a culture so strong that you never have to pull somebody aside and say, "Hey, stop being an asshole." Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. If you can, yeah, or or that is just rare, yeah, or more rare, yeah, it's because like, it's gonna happen, yeah, yeah, it's gonna happen anyway. But that that for the most part, yeah, or that people will moderate their behavior so that they're, you know, we're just a bunch of monkeys, really, well, running around, that, yeah, that too, <laughs> that too. But uh, one of the one of those standards has to be encouraging other people too. I think that yeah. Um, uh, that's one of the things that drew me to powerlifting in the first place is that how encouraging people were of even like brand new lifters. Yeah. And it, I, I don't like, I, I haven't been to a bunch of big meets lately, so I can't really tell you exactly what it's like, but the meets that I saw, I think it's still good. You know, in the early two thousands, I saw people, I think it's generally still good, you know, being very, very encouraging, particularly if, if it's somebody's first meet and the, the announcer manages to say that and, and, People are, you know, very supportive, and I saw stuff like that in the CrossFit community too, yeah. where where if, if everybody is is doing a particular event and some people are done already, like the moment they catch their breath, they're in encouraging the stragglers to yeah. to make it, you know. Yeah, I think it's only a few rotten apples, and again, it probably goes to intent and your own individual problems, where the people. You know, the 500-pound squatter thinks he's so cool and he's mocking the poor kid, you know, that whose knees fly in on a 225. But majority of people had been there and they understand and can empathize with that and are encouraging, I think. Yeah. I think that, like, you know, the member service component and the keeping a connection, all that stuff is a big thing, too. Just this is completely random, but I've always been somewhat surprised by um, the effort that uh, you guys probably never dealt with them. Sweet, the Sweetwater Company. They do. It's like audio, mm. video. They do from you know consumer grade all the way to pro stuff. When you order something from them, it pretty much doesn't matter how much it is. They call you. I mean, like I never pick up if I don't rec- recognize the number, so it's always a voicemail. But somebody says, "Hey, I saw that you ordered this. Um, you know." Thanks for your order. You should be getting an email within whatever time that says when it's going to arrive. Yeah, yeah. And and nothing more than that, but it's a touch point. It's like, well, I think differently of that company because they did that. Sure. As opposed to just sending stuff out. And they also send candy in their orders. I don't know why, but, you know, it also – Everyone you likes remember, candy. 
Yeah. They know their consumers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would say uh, the part that's most surprising for me, and it just has to do with how an individual, honestly, is either raised or how they see themselves or their life experiences, just a multitude of factors that kind of uh, how, how they treat community members. But I always find it, it's mystifying. If you're in a small tribe, essentially one of the core rules is that you have to protect and grow the tribe because it's fragile. You don't have a large base, so you don't have a big community, Mm -hmm. which means that the community has to inevitably be very personal. So you need to be encouraging because you want people to remain in said community. So as you said, at meets, that's why you'll see in smaller disciplines in general, they're very welcoming because they want you to become part of the tribe, sure. right? It's just a natural survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. The one that's always amusing to me are the individuals where they act hoity-toity, right. holier than thou, where it's like, wait, wait, wait a second. It's like, and they don't understand. Obviously, it's, it's all ego and it's a bunch of other things, but they're condemning the niche that they're in for their own vain pursuit where they want to tear someone else down where right. it's like, if you want this to work, Bringing more people in is exactly what you need. And that's where you see some of the potentially toxic elements of, uh, in, I would say in particular, kind of more guys, or at least I just yeah. know that uh, slice a little bit more, in some aspects of the community. So instead of, yeah, the kid, they just hit a PR. It's like, hey, man, great job. Like, way to go. It's like, man, his knees were shit. You see that That is depth? weird. Yeah. Um, All those things. And that just has to do, like, guys are actually, so it's the opposite of being robust, and it's the opposite of confidence. It's because a lot of guys are very fragile. Yeah, it is like a. I've it, been in that environment. Yeah, it obviously is an ego thing, like because they just want to be the big fish in the small pond and be recognized for it. I was trying to relate it to basketball, which is obviously like not niche. Like it's a fucking huge community. It, it's like a huge culture. It's almost not a community. I don't know because I don't remember anyone being such a bitch. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like because you just kind of like know where you fit in. Maybe sometimes, like you'd get humbled real quick. Like if you went to a really good open gym, we used to go. You know, different ones that like churches would have them or whatever. You just you just show up. I don't know anybody, and and you just there's like unspoken rules again, kind of like the the weight thing, and you just kind of know them because they're similar gym to gym, um, or, or basketball to basketball. And I would just show up, and I don't remember anyone really being a bitch. Like there's shit talk, and like the the good guys and medium guys would shit talk but it's all kind of in jest and it's all kind of like just part of the thing it's kind of like if you don't if you're taking a shot and you don't believe it's going to go in it's not going to go in so it's kind of like your own build up it's just part of the sport it's kind of the self-talk going to a barbell but i don't ever remember anyone just shitting on anyone like, like do you think because it is inherently a community-based sport like maybe, why, like, you maybe know, like, yeah team-based yeah. like the individual i don't remember lifting. anyone because like there'd be there'd, sometimes there'd be scrubs that showed up and <laughs> like <laughs> like you you may pass them the ball less but like you're not gonna like make fun of the kid like yeah. you're just gonna give them the ball a little bit less like because you want to win uh I don't know, because because the other two might have a scrub too, and you're like, yeah, Timmy, you should go guard him, you know, like you just kind of set things up. But I don't remember everyone being a bitch, um, and obviously, powerlifting is more niche, and so the 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 thorns on this rose do stand out a little bit more. But I remember more in powerlifting, mm-hmm. like just seeing a guy like frown upon this, like why, dude, like, oh, yeah. and and I've probably been the guy that people think is a dick in the gym, but I've never purposely like shit on someone else. I've just been so focused on myself, I maybe wasn't friendly. Yeah. But again, that's when I'm like athlete mode, not coach or gym owner mm-hmm. mode, um, which I think is all fine too. You know, like if you're the gym goer or member of the tribe and you're just focused on your own shit, as long as you're not affecting anyone's negatively. 
I don't know. But yeah, I, I was trying to think if I remember like just the hoity-toity guy in basketball. And, and if they are, they're literally the shit bags probably in basketball. <laughs> Where in powerlifting, they've been like, the, they're the middle tier guys. Yeah. You know, they're like Dan Green's not like that. Like the top guys aren't it's like that. It's the Dunning-Kruger effect where they, but instead of knowledge, it's like they accumulate a little bit of success and yeah. they think they know it all. Yeah, mm. but we're in basketball, I don't think so. I think the middle guys really still look up to the top guys and the top guys are chill. They just know they're good. So like they're going to get you I'm just going to score on you. Like, I don't need to like be a bitch to you. I think it's like the shit bags that like the, uh, what do they call it? Uh, lazy boy quarterback or couch quarterback or armchair. I don't know. I couldn't think of armchair. It's like that guy uh, who goes, the weekend warrior could be a bitch sometimes, yeah, but yeah. otherwise most people are cool. Yeah. I think that's because having a clear established hierarchy can always be helpful because we are individuals like well wait a second where, where's my place in this yeah and when you're vying for that where you're a mid-tier powerlifter and there's not the okay you go you know at least an untested uh, if you're not on the ipf it's like regional state yeah. national world you know what i mean so it's, yeah, there's, you know some, there's somewhat of a structure but some of those guys that are yeah more uh maybe in the untested community where it's like you you can as long as you have the qualifying total you can show up and you could be at the bottom rung right and there's you know there's like five years between you and actually the competitive people, but you could be in the same kind yeah, yeah. of circle. You and, know. And, and individual sport brings a difference. And a lot of people at Powerlift like kind of played football or something, but a lot of guys just mm-hmm. never did anything gun in this. Where, yeah, in basketball, like I'd love to be the scrub player and play on the Sack Kings. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be stoked. You know, like yeah. I'm not going to be a bitch for that. Yeah. Where like, or the middle tier guy, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give the ball to my best player. Like that's yeah. just it, the team environment probably does play a role, like you said. I think that you sort of hit on another another point if um if you're in a gym where everybody just competes in local meets and they're and it's like once or twice a year and they're i mean how how invested are they really versus the people who are trying to make it to regional meets national meets international meets which is so hard now i was just having a conversation with a a lifter at untamed uh this girl Brittany, who's insanely strong um and powerlifting, the state of powerlifting's kind of gotten weird again. USAPL got into some legal or political stuff, not legal per se, political stuff that turned some people off. Obviously, that kind of pretentious-ish vibe is not the whole community because there's tons of really cool, you know, IPF lifters that we're friends mm-hmm. with. But there's some of that there. Um, but then on the other end, there's no real like meets to do either. Uh, and I, I kind of reckoned it to like the geared lifting world where for a second it was like the WPO and there's some mm-hmm. stuff you would go to if you're the best. But then eventually... Um, geared and raw, you just lifted at a local meet and threw it on the best numbers and threw it on the internet. Right. And that's kind of where I see raw is right now too. Besides the very strict, the very few that are an IPF world champion and some people are hunting that down still, I think the majority of people are kind of, it kind of cyclical like or the pendulum swing like everything. More people are just like, man, there's no meat that I can go against my weight class that's really good. And even at, at nationals, it was like that. Like, there's the top three kind of in each weight class was kind of competitive, but there's still like one or two that are going to win. You mm-hmm. know who's going to win. So why am I spending five thousand dollars to fly across country? You know, like where the untested, I think there's more people of equal ish strength that should be going to head to head, but there's no like place to go head to head right now. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, like there was the Kern for a second, but that kind of seemed like a fizzle. Like there's nothing so. Like talking to this girl, Brittany, she's like, yeah, I flew down to LA to do this meet and like the competition wasn't what I thought it'd be. So now I just got to find somewhere else to compete. And so I was like, yeah, just throw it down here. Like it, it, it's kind of where it's at because it's still not a sport. Yeah. <laughs> like it's still, <laughs> yeah, still it's, powerlifting. It's it's still a hobby. It's still an activity. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, uh, WPO is doing something for those top level geared athletes, but that it's still that's small. It's not, yeah. they're not big meets. They're yeah. not. You know, yeah, 
it's not USAPL Raw Nationals or whatever with. But um, that's about to be real small. Yeah, yeah, that's got going to get a lot smaller. They just—I uh, don't know if you saw—they raised qualifying totals to something insane. Oh, really? Yeah, insane, insane. Yeah, because there's way too many lifters that were at nationals. I guess I don't know. Yeah, they must have lost money. Is my only, and I may be jaded. <laughs> I don't understand how you lose money for what they have a five hundred people. Just, I don't know uh, either. Yeah, I mean, it was—it did turn a weekend into a week-long thing, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, I, I doubt that many people go now. Yeah. Anybody got anything else before you bring this one in for a landing? No, we have to go act. We got to get to shoot, and I'm gonna put on an Academy Award winning performance this evening. Sweet, Oscar worthy yeah. is what I think they That's say. That's the goal. All right, we hope you have enjoyed uh, our good friend Omar talking Yusuf in joining us while he's here in Sacramento. Thank you for having me. It's always a great time here. P- plug away, buddy. Where can people yeah, where find you? Can people find? Uh, yeah, they can find me at Fifty uh, Percent Facts. Um, <laughs> it's on iTunes. I, like I believe that. Jim on occasion uploads on YouTube. You can go ahead and leave a rating and review of Fifty Percent Facts. They do read them. It does help out with algorithm. Um, and then also, yeah, on YouTube. Omar on Instagram. Omar fans only only fans have you many cam I don't do only please I'm more distinguished than that many cam oh so you like the live interaction uh that's one way of putting it (laughs) (laughs) that's one way of putting it private snapchat yeah I'd do it I'd do it uh ladies and gentlemen appreciate you sound like 2k's Instagram Twitter uh YouTube Twitch uh only fans I am at the Jimmy D on all the social media and the show is 50% facts, where percent is a word. And I'm going to give you one more piece of information as soon as I pull it up here. Well, that's really weird. There it is. Okay. So we have a Google Voice number for you to leave messages for us, questions, comments, any of those things. Don't be an asshole. Uh, but say something cool. It may end up on the show. That number is 916-864-3228. That's 916 916- 864-3228 or 864-FACT. Uh, shoot us a message and we'll take give it a listen and if it's good, we'll use it. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.